Father, I thank you for giving us this, this chance to get into your presence. But now I thank you for the opportunity to deliver your word to your people. I ask that as we transition from, from this moment of, of worship into the word, just anoint this word that it will produce fruit that it will do exactly what you intended it for it to do that your word will not return unto you void but it will accomplish everything that you have preordained for it to accomplish I thank you in advance for the breakthrough in our lives because of your word ask that you would open our minds and you would open our hearts to receive this revelation today. To receive revelation that will change our lives. That way we won't just have this vague idea of we need to be in your presence or we need to live in your presence, but we know how to get in your presence. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. It's not up to my performance, but it's simply up to your sovereign word. I thank you for this opportunity. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Well, good evening, everybody. Welcome to the movement. If you haven't been here before, this is your first time being here in a while. My name is Tyler Hagerman. I'm the minister of this movement. And uh, last week, we started a brand new series called The Approach. And basically what this series is about is we, we've been talking a lot about the importance of living in, in the presence of God. This series is more about setting the stage in order for us to do that. Uh, we're, we're diving into a study of how to get in the presence of God. And there's, there's a certain way that we do this. Um, uh, a, a little illustration that I used last week to, to kind of set the stage a little bit for this series is that in order to approach God, there's a certain way you do that. There's, you, you don't just, okay, here's, here's a great example. If you want to get the most out of a conversation with me, this is a little bit of, I'm, I'm opening up a little bit, I'm being a little bit vulnerable here. Uh, ordinarily, I'm very hard-headed, and I, I'm kind of, uh, I'm very stubborn. That, that's me. I'm, I'm trying to work through that. I'm sorry if I have offended anybody in the past because of that. But there's a certain way that you approach me, and if you approach me the correct way, you can say whatever you want to to me, as long as you have approached me the right way. If you approach me the wrong way, I kind of have a tendency to, to put up this wall, put up this barrier, and go into self-preservation mode rather than trying to engage our conversation to the best way that it can be. I'm not saying that God goes into self-preservation mode by any means, but there is a specific way that we approach God because it honors him. And if we step outside of this parameter of how to approach him, we dishonor him. 
And it doesn't show God how much we actually do love and care about him. And so just a little disclaimer right now. I'm not suggesting that there is a specific formula that you have to twist every knob and push every button the right way or twist the right levers in order to feel God's presence. I'm not saying that. That'd be legalism. I am not saying that in the slightest. This is simply the preferred way to approach God as far as what we're, what we're getting into in this series. Uh, really, the, the inspiration behind this series for the approach is the, is the fact that God has already laid out this procedure through the design of the tabernacle and through the design of the temple. And so there are four main aspects of this design that go into play a lot when, when trying to get in the ultimate goal, the Holy of Holies, the presence of God. So there are four main areas. There is the gates, there's the outer courts, there's the inner courts, and there's the Holy of Holies. Last week was part one, and we discussed that we must enter the gates with thanksgiving. Our, 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 our theme verse for these, at least these first two weeks is found in Psalm 100, verse 4, and that is, enter the gate with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. The, the main takeaway that, that we had uh, from last week is that everything in the Old Testament points to Jesus. And so there's a couple scriptures that, that, I, that I grabbed. Uh, both are in the book of John. So I'm just going to hit these real quick, then we're going to move on. Uh, John chapter 10, verse 9, and then John uh, chapter 10, verse 1. Uh, verse 9 says, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. Verse 1 says, anyone who does not enter by the gate but climbs in by another way is a thief and a robber. The, the main point that, that I tried to, to make last week is a kind of a, a kingdom principle, if you will. And that is, the kingdom of heaven works like this. The only way you can enter into the presence of God is through the gate. Jesus is the gate. And the gate must be entered with thanksgiving. Any other approach is illegal in the kingdom. So if I, and I'm not saying that he won't listen to you if you do this, but this isn't the correct approach of just busting in and just blaming him for everything that's bad in your life and just saying, it's all your fault, blah, blah, blah. That's, that's simply a complaining spirit. That's not entering the, his presence with the proper approach. Something that, that we discussed last week is we shouldn't allow our circumstances, our situation to influence our, our worship but rather let your worship influence your situation, influence your circumstance. And so that kind of brings me into what we're talking about uh, this week. This week is part two, and it is about the courts of praise. And so before we really dive into, into this teaching any deeper, I, I want to, uh, to lay down a good foundation so we understand what praise really is. And in English, we have one word for praise. It's praise. But in the Hebrew, there are seven. Uh, 
just going to go through these real quick, then we're going to move on. There is the praise of singing. Uh, there is the praise of playing instruments, blowing horns, primarily the shofar, a, a shout of praise, lifting your hands in adoration, lifting your hands in thanksgiving, and then finally, a hilariously foolish praise. This is generally where we get uh, dancing or jumping. Uh, could you turn me down a little bit in this front monitor? That'd be great. And so again, your circumstance should not influence your worship, but rather let your worship influence your circumstance. One example that we went into last week that I want to dive into a little bit more detail this week is the example of the execution of Stephen. Stephen was one of the first, uh, that's good right there, was one of the first deacons appointed by the apostles. And really, I'm not, I'm not going to go into this, but just so you know, deacon simply means table server. So really, they, were, they placed him in a position to where it would prepare him for ministry. He became an evangelist. And so while he was out doing his e- evangelical ministry, he made a lot of Jews very unhappy, made them angry. He made a lot of Pharisees, Sadducees, and just religious Jews extremely angry when he started teaching about Jesus. And so he started declaring the word of the Lord. He started praising him. So they tried him, they, they convicted him, they began to execute him. And then he says something that is remarkable. Scripture says that Jesus is seated at the is, is forever seated at the right hand of the Father, interceding on our behalf. This is the one instance in Scripture, besides the second coming of Christ, where it says that Jesus stands up. It's while Stephen is in the middle of his situation, he's in the middle of this trial, he's in the middle of being persecuted, and then he lifts up his eyes and says, I see the Son of Man standing at the right hand of power. So basically, if you want God to move in your situation, if you want your worship to influence your situation instead of letting your situation influence your worship, praise God. Your praise invites God to stand up in your situation. Now, that, that's not the scripture for tonight, so I'm actually going to go into what we're actually going to be talking about. That was kind of a side note. I was just going to do that in passing, but wasn't expecting that. All right, so this is the actual uh, story that we're going to get into tonight. If you could have your Bibles with you, turn to Numbers chapter 13. Um. Just for the sake of time, I'm not going to uh, read this entire chapter. I don't, I don't want to do that. I'm not, I'm not a very good public reader. I can read to myself, no problem, but when I start reading out loud, it's, it's a bit of a train wreck. It's kind of like, the duck swims in the pond. It doesn't work out for me. Uh, so anyway, we're going to, uh, I'm just going to kind of summarize this story, and then we're going to really dive into it and break it down. So chapter 13 is about Moses sending out the spies into Canaan. This is the first time that they actually approach the promised land. Um, This is before the 40 years in the wilderness. And so Moses 
picks a leader from each tribe to go and literally be a spy and go and search out the land. And, and really, he sent them out to, to try to find the best way to take the land. Not, he wasn't trying to gather their opinions whether or not they could take the land or not. He was looking for the right strategy to actually take it. And so while they were in there, I mean, they, they see everything that was promised. It, it's a land flowing with milk and honey. That there, uh, there are clusters of grapes so big that it takes two men to carry them on a pole. And so when they come back, 10 of the 12 say, we, it, it's awesome. I love it over there. We can't take it. There are giants over there. There are giants in the land. We can't take it. We are as grasshoppers in our own sight, and we're the same to them. But two of them said, God said it's ours. We can take it. There were two that actually believed that they could take the promise that God gave them. And so that, that's where I really want to dive into, into this and find the deeper meaning of this tonight. Um, for those of you who, who know, I like to primarily go into names a lot to find the, 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 deeper, the deeper meanings in these stories. So there are two guys in this, in this particular story that kind of stick out from the rest, and that is uh, that's Caleb of Judah, and that's Joshua from the tribe of Ephraim. So let's, let's start out real, real easy. Judah. The tribe of Judah, it means praise. Caleb means wholehearted or wholeheartedness. Ephraim means God has made me fruitful in the land of my affliction. Joshua means Yahweh is my salvation. Both Ephraim and Joshua, both are declarations of worship. They're, they, they're rooted in declarations of praise, declarations of worship, declaration, declarations of thanksgiving. So you have wholehearted worship, wholehearted praise and wholehearted worship are the two key characters in this story. So basically the, the, sum, the summary of this is wholehearted praise and worship is what contained the faith to obtain the promise. I'm going to ask one more question, just, just something that I, uh, I ask myself when I, when I actually heard another minister teaching on this, and then I was, wait a minute, there, there's a connection here. I wonder if you know this, so I went up to him after service, and it was like, wow, God just blew my mind right there. And so I'm just going to ask this question to y'all and just let you seal it on this for a little while. So there are two spies that come back with good report. These two spies are allowed to enter then the promise after everybody else dies. And it took two men to carry back the fruit of the promise. Which two of the spies do you think carried back the fruit? Something that the, the ten did not understand 
is you may not understand why the giants are in your promise. But you must understand that that place is yours. That is your promise. It has already been given to you. That is your promise. And the faster you can line up with the praise and the worship of heaven, the faster you can obtain what God has already decided to give you. The best way to get into the presence of God is by giving him exactly what he has always wanted from us. We were initially created, Adam and Eve were initially created to be beings of free will worship. God created all the angels and in, in all the heavenly creatures and their job was to worship him. He created mankind to worship him freely of their own choosing. That's what we were created for. And the, and the, the faster that we can actually line up with heaven's design for our lives, the faster that we can actually access the things that heaven has for us. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. This isn't simply making vague declarations in your prayer time. That is setting loose what you were designed to do on earth in order to let loose what is, in, what is already let loose in heaven. What is constantly being let loose in heaven is praise and worship. And the faster that we can let loose of praise and worship, God can let loose of everything he wants to bless us with. Now, don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that we seek the hand. No, we seek the face, and the hand will give us whatever the hand wants to give us. But the faster that we can come to this understanding, to this revelation of the power of our praise and the power of our worship in our lives, the sooner that we can all be free from whatever we're struggling with. Imagine with me for a moment if we actually could live out this mindset of not only wanting to, to live in the presence of God, but knowing how to approach God to actually get in the presence of God. Imagine... if we actually knew how to live out the praise that is already inside of us. That way we can unlock what's inside of us. That way heaven can unlock what's inside of it. I'm going to pray and then we're actually going to go back in to worship just for one or two more songs, just whatever the Spirit wants us to do. So band, as, I, as, I'm, as I'm praying, if you could make your way up. Heavenly Father, I thank you that we have this opportunity to get into your word, but also get into your presence. I ask that tonight you would give us each a revelation of what it means to actually get in your presence, of how to praise you with every fiber of our being. I'm not looking for, I know you're not looking for an emotional response but whatever is comfortable for you, one degree past that is true worship. That's true sacrificial worship. 
I thank you, Lord, for allowing us this opportunity. In Jesus' name, amen.